the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So God so loved the world that he sent his son and Jesus lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave so that whosoever believes in him would not perish and have eternal life. That's God's wisdom. Wise or unwise. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I can remember the first time I flew on an airplane. I was just a small child, and we went from South Carolina to Los Angeles, California. That was a great trip. It was for the Southern Baptist Convention. My dad was a pastor, and I got to tag along. We went to Hollywood. We couldn't afford to go to Disneyland out there, so we went to Knott's Berry Farm. We had all kind of fun experiences. My mom even got to go to The Price is Right with Bob Barker. What an incredible trip. But as much as the trip, I remember the flight. The first time in an airplane, I had to sit by the window and just to look out and to see the view from above. I've flown many, many, many times since then, but I still love that view. I I like to see things above the clouds. It It seems like the things that are so big down here on earth, the people, the problems, the places we go, they're much smaller from above. The storms that rage down here that distract us and even divide us, those storms disappear above the clouds. It even gets real dark during the day down below. But you get above the clouds and you can sense as you see the sunlight. The stars that seem so far to us, even they are a little closer above the clouds. Today, as we continue our study in the book of James, I want you to see that God desires that you and I have a view from above. If you can learn to look at life, if you can learn to think as if you were above it all, you're going to live a better and a more blessed life. I want to pray with you once more, and I'm going to pray specifically to that end. Let's pray together. So God of the universe, of the sun, of the stars, of all the galaxies, the one who created us as your creation, we've cried out in praise and now we call out in prayer, give us, Lord, what we do not have. Continue to teach us what we do not know. 
Even as we sing, would you melt us and mold us? Would you shape us and fill us into those people that you want us to become? Lord, your word is perfect and true. It's living. It's sharp sometimes, more than a sword. So use it to do what we need today. If that's comfort, comfort us. If it's conviction, convict us. But Lord, speak. And so now I officially step out of the way. Let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. And that's my prayer for all who would hear this message. Would you redeem someone today? A life that's headed into a Christless eternity can be redeemed. It can be made new by your touch. Would you do that? That person that is living in despair and discouragement, maybe they profess that relationship with you. God, would you restore them into right relationship even today? And would you do all of this for your glory? And Lord, in an effort to say, may it be so, all together we say, amen and amen. Take your copy of God's word and turn in the book of James, James chapter 3. James is challenging, professing Christ followers to see who we really are. In the first chapter, he tells us when we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's like a mirror and it reflects who we really are. That's why sometimes it hurts when we come to church. (laughs) We don't hear what we want to hear. We don't see what we want to see. If the word of God is being taught, if it's being preached, we see the reflection of who we are because It is a perfect standard going against our imperfect lives. What do you see? Last week, we talked about what we hear when we look into the mirror, what we sound like. We were talking about controlling the tongue, and we learned that important lesson that no human being can tame the tongue, that the secret to a controlled tongue is the experience of a controlled heart. You'll never be able to control what you say until you yield control of your life to Jesus Christ. This week, he moves from what we sound like when we look into the mirror of God's word to what we think like. So when you look at God's word, it reveals how you see everything else. You know that, right? We all have a filter. Some of us are filtered through our race. Some of us are filtered through the location we were born. I was born in the South. Some of us are filtered through our religious experience, good, bad, or indifferent. Some of us are filtered through our economic background. That's okay. That's just acknowledging we are all coming to something through a filter. What James is going to express to us that we must learn to look at life through the filter of God's word, not through anything that we find here in the world. In fact, the first thing he says to us is that every Christ follower is challenged to live wisely. He's writing to Christ followers again and again throughout his writing. He says brothers, or if you have the NIV, it may say brothers and sisters, because that's it's not a gender-specific term in the Greek. He's just saying, to those of you who are part of my family, I, I want you to know that this is to us, to the church. Remember, James was a pastor. He was not only the brother of Jesus, he was a pastor at the church of Jerusalem. Now, much like the church across our world today, the church was scattered. They weren't meeting as regularly together. And so he wrote them this letter and he was saying, hey, you need to think about how you're living. Does your life reflect wisdom from God? And so he begins with a question in verse 13. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What was he doing? Was he asking for a show of hands? Hey, church, if you think you're wise, stand up. Let me see it. I don't think that's what he was doing. He wasn't asking for a show of hands. He was asking for a change of standard. He was saying, I want to know what you're comparing the way you live, how you look at the world, what you think to. Because here he says is how it should be. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. In one sentence, James sums up something we still haven't gotten. The Christian life was never intended to be just a profession. When you begin the Christian experience, you have possession. You possess a relationship with God, and that possession moves you from profession to lifestyle. He's saying, don't just say so, show it. Don't just say something. Show something. The the Christian experience is not just an audible expression. It's a visual experience. Other people will be able to tell whether or not this is real for you. So don't just say, you don't know what's in my heart. Yeah, I do. The Bible says, I read it again this week as I was doing my weekly Bible reading. The Bible says, in each of our hearts, we are exceedingly wicked. I know what's in your heart. I know what's in my heart. You don't have the ability as a professing follower of Christ to say, you don't know how I really am. You don't know what I believe because scripture says what we believe is demonstrated in how we live. That's why James would say every Christ follower is challenged to live wisely. Now in the Bible, there's a great biblical story about wisdom. David's son, Solomon, became king of Israel. God went to him and said, I want to give you a request. Notice what Solomon said encountered with God in Second Chronicles in chapter 1. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I shall give you. <laughs> we hear stories, we watch movies about genies, and if you could just have a wish or three wishes, what would you wish? Maybe you've thought about that. Imagine if the God of the universe said, ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What would you say? Notice what Solomon said. Look down at verse 10 in 2 Chronicles 1. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon. And he said, because this was in your heart and you've not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or life. Those who hate you, they've not even asked for long life. But you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I'll also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who are before you and none who will have after you. Boy, I don't want you to miss this because I always try to give you one spiritual truth that you can take away, that you can just live out as you go through the week. Here it is. Wisdom is the key. Say wisdom is the key. Wisdom is the key key that opens the door to God's greater blessings in your life. I believe what God did for Solomon, he'll do for you. When you seek to live a life of godly wisdom, you'll begin to notice that other practical and tangible blessings flow out of that. 
Wisdom is the key that opens the door to God's greater blessing in life. Now, wisdom is talked about all throughout Scripture. Hundreds of times we have that word. Sophia in the Greek, wisdom, mentioned to us. Several of the Old Testament books are called wisdom literature. You may not realize that, but if you want to be wise, it's a good thing just to focus on those books. Those books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. They teach us how to be wise in our daily living, how to be wise when we choose who we're going to date or who we're going to marry, how to be wise in the workplace, how to be wise as parents, how to be wise in our financial stewardship. Song of Solomon is a whole book about how to be wise in your love life. The wisdom literature. And that's why I like to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. In fact, I, I call it everyday wisdom. I try every morning early to go on Twitter and just do that hashtag everyday wisdom with one of the truths from the proverb of that day. Today, early this morning, I read Proverbs 16. I've got to tell you, it's one of my favorite. I just want to illustrate it to you. Uh, So you just listen fast as I read fast. Listen to the first verse. We make our plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If that sounds like wisdom, say amen right where you are. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Let's continue. Verse 7 says, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. I remember as a young pastor when someone reminded me of that verse. They said, hey, pastor, just remember, when you live your life focused on godly wisdom, on pleasing him, even those who disagree with you, they'll find a way just to be at peace with you. Look at verse 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, good judgment than silver. Verse 18, here's one you've heard. Pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. Verse 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the Bible, or or for the body. You you can relate to that, right? Somebody has said something kind to you. They've encouraged you, and it's made a difference in your life. Verse 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Unfortunately, many of us experience that as well. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Proverbs 16. Verse 31, gray hair is a crown of glory. Can I get a witness? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 32, better to be patient than powerful. Verse 33, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Verse 25, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. But wisdom's not just an Old Testament idea. Wisdom is a New Testament ideal. The Apostle Paul, when speaking to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. The, the Bible says there's a difference between wisdom 
and knowledge. You can Google knowledge, but you have to be given wisdom. Do you ever use Google? It's amazing. Yesterday, I moved our oldest son into his apartment in another city, and one of the last things I said to him was, son, Google is your friend. Anything you don't know how to do, just Google it. Somebody's telling you how to do it. You can Google all kinds of knowledge, but wisdom has to be given to you. What does wisdom look like? Someone said wisdom is effectively applying divine truth to everyday life. Someone else said wisdom is the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter and implement God's will. One more, wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective, making decisions based on that understanding. Wisdom is smart, skillful, spiritual living. We're holding up the word of God. Does it reflect wisdom in your life? Does it reflect the practical application of knowledge? We live in an explosion of knowledge, but in a vacuum of wisdom. Our world desperately needs more people led by godly wisdom. Someone said, knowledge is proud that she has learned so much, but when wisdom is humble, that she does not know more. Another said, knowledge gives us the ability to take things apart, but wisdom helps us put things together. So you see why James would say, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now we don't use that word meek very much in our communication today because we think of it as weakness, but I would remind you that the Bible said that Jesus was meek. The origin of that word is literally strength under power. It's describing a horse, one of the strongest animals known to man under the tamed hand of one who guides that animal. So if you want to be wise, live your life demonstrating that through wisdom that is governed by God. Are you living a demonstration of wisdom? Do the people around you see you as wise? Would people call you unwise, foolish, temperamental? We need to know what it looks like when we live wise and when we fail to live wise. So we see that every Christ follower is challenged to live wisely, but we also see that Scripture contrasts the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the Word. Say the wisdom of the Word. That's what I want to live by. The wisdom that's found is as I look into the perfect word of God. If you remember in chapter 3 and verse 1, James says, don't let any of you desire to be teachers. Why does he say that? Well, he says that because there's a higher standard for what is said for folks like me who are teaching the word of God. Why? Because I'm going to be accountable for whether or not I have followed accurately and consistently 
the perfect word of God. That's why it's so important, as I've just sent two sons back off to college, it's important that they desire to gain knowledge, but they understand that the wisdom of life comes from the word of God because it's only his word that is perfect and always true. That's why you have to decide what you believe about the word of God. And do you believe it's without error? Or do you think it just changes with the times? You see, I recognize as a preacher, I'm not going to be accountable one day for whether or not I was politically correct. I'm not going to be accountable for whether or not I was even congregationally approved. I am going to be accountable for whether or not I'm biblically accurate. And so I want to find my wisdom from the word of God. James is going to tell us what that looks like, but he begins by contrasting that wisdom with the wisdom of the world. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Notice the characteristics of this worldly wisdom. First, he says there's bitter jealousy. What is bitter jealousy? He's making a point, and that's why some of your translations have the word envy. Because bitter jealousy doesn't just become jealous of what another person has. Bitter jealousy is angry about it. They're mad that you've got what you've got. They don't just want what you've got. They don't like that you've got it. That's worldly wisdom. Then he said selfish ambition. This same Greek word that James used here, Aristotle, the great philosopher used to describe politicians. Isn't this interesting? Because he said that they'll say anything, they'll do anything to get their way, to get into office. Little has changed in a couple thousand years, right? Selfish ambition is also describing a person who who makes everything about themselves. They live and act as if all of the universe revolves around them. Now that sounds silly for me to say it out loud, but we know people like that. It's always all about them. They're a big deal. (laughs) There are few things that are as unwise as living your life focused solely on you. Selfish ambition. Worldly wisdom is also arrogant. It boasts. We know that's inconsistent with the word of God because we read 1 Corinthians 13, right? 1 Corinthians 13 describes love. And one of the first things it says about love is love does not boast. Love is not proud. And yet in our world, there's a lot of emphasis put on pride, isn't it? Because we're all about the selfie. We're all about self-promotion. We're all about making folks look at us. That's worldly wisdom. Finally, it's based on lies. It doesn't care about the truth. The motto of a person who's living their life based on worldly wisdom is this. If you don't like it, sorry. This is just the way I am. That's the characteristics of worldly wisdom. 
But I don't want you to miss something. James also gives us the source of worldly wisdom. Look at verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. He says it's earthly or it's dirty. It's unspiritual or it's dead is what the Bible says when you're unspiritual. And then it's demonic. So how do do you look at those? First of all, one is secular. There's only two kinds of wisdom, God's wisdom and man's wisdom. There's humanism and there's theism. James is helping us begin to understand worldview. Remember we talked about filter? How are you looking at the world? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.